You're listening to the Talking Forest Podcast with your host, Kendra Burns. In today's world, it's important to communicate your story online, and Kendra can help you by diving into social media and providing you with free tips and insights on how to build your organic social media following and shine online. Having been raised low income, first in her family to go to college and a proud international military spouse, Kendra develops creative media content across many social media platforms from anywhere in the world. Her inspiration comes from the people who give her hope and believe in her so she can believe in you. Follow the Talking Forest podcast today to see how she lives the dream of a traveling virtual entrepreneur and get your tech tips as we keep up with the latest on social media. Hi, and welcome to the Talking Forest podcast with your host, Kendra Burns. I'm really excited to have Molly Pitts on. Hi, Molly. Good morning. Hi. I'm so happy to have got in contact with you, and I've had a few people that um, had Molly in mind for this Talking Forest podcast, and so I'm going to read her her bio. Molly Pitts is a forester by trade and has her bachelor's in science in forestry from Northern Arizona University and a master's in science in natural resources from Oregon State University. Prior to moving to Colorado in 2012, she served as the executive director for the Northern Arizona Wood Products Association. Molly is currently the executive director for the Colorado Timber Industry Association, the Colorado Programs Manager for Intermountain Forest Association, and the Rocky Mountain States Director for Healthy Forests and Healthy Communities. Molly and her husband, Jim, have two sons and two bird dogs. Molly is very active is a very active person, enjoys camping, backpacking, mountain biking, fishing, hunting, and in general, spending time in the outdoors. So I think you're probably a lot of, like a lot of people out there just wanting to get outside. Absolutely. I spend a lot of time in front of a computer for my work. So anytime I don't have to be doing that, I like to be outside. Yeah, absolutely. And I, everyone seems to have um, started with gardening or horticulture. Uh, so when you were growing up, what was there, was there something that kept you going outside? Well, I grew up on five acres, so I kind of had a playground outside my front door all the time. And I lived in a small town, so spending time outdoors was pretty much all the options we had. We didn't have a movie theater until I think I was in middle school, or I should say a decent movie theater. There was one that was really old and your feet stuck to the floor. But I was encouraged by my parents to spend time outside. Yeah. So it kind of just stuck with me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So then what was your first job and do you have any good memories of it? So I was thinking about that as I was preparing for this. And so my first job, I would have to say, was probably working for my parents. And they owned a small business that included excavation work, and my mom sold culverts. So I was usually given a task of putting together, like, bolts, which included a bolt and a washer and a net. And the bolts were used for the bands that were sold with the culverts. So are you familiar with a culvert? Yes, the um, metal pipes. Yes. So my mom ran a very successful culvert business, and I got the 
mindless task of putting together bolts. I think they paid me like 10 cents a bolt, but as a kid that was pretty pretty big money and I could go down to the candy store and haul in a new loop. Oh my gosh. And there was back then the penny candy. Yes. So you were probably pretty excited to go there with your your change. Oh. I was, and I look back now, and I'm thankful that I was given the opportunity to work in a family business. So many kids nowadays don't have that opportunity, and I learned that I was part of not only the family, but the family business, and we all played a role. And that's honestly what kept us fed and housed and, and all the other fun things that we enjoyed. Yeah, absolutely. It provided you a foundation to work from, and with your experience and becoming an executive director, uh, you definitely have to have that business-savvy mindset. Well, and it has been truly beneficial, because I work with a lot of businesses now, and I I understand how small businesses work. It yeah. doesn't always go 9 to 5, and it isn't always a Monday through Friday job. So I think it really provided that good foundation, like you said, for being able to be competent and and work with the businesses I do now. Yeah. So what is your role right now, and how are you um, impacting the community? Sure. So technically, I'm an independent contractor. My business name is Pitch Resource Consulting, but I have several contracts. So the first is I serve as the Executive Director for the Colorado Timber Industry Association, which is an organization of small family-owned businesses committed to logging, manufacturing, and forestry service work in Colorado. CTIA strongly advocates for scientific, sustainable forest management. We also have a really strong emphasis on safety, and provide our members with monthly safety emails as well as annual logger education. We also actively participate in best management practices and play an active role in the audits that take place every two years. So for them, I do you know specific things like safety emails, put together the logger education. We do a legislative reception for the state legislature, participate in the forest hearing, and that's a statewide association. Mm-hmm. Um, I also serve as the Colorado Programs Manager for Intermountain Forest Association. Similar to CTIA, IFA is an advocate for healthy forests and healthy communities. While they work, while CTIA works at the state level, IFA works at more of a regional level, which is Region 2 of the Forest Service, and that includes Colorado, Wyoming, and South Dakota. My work with IFA includes actively working with each of the six national forests in Colorado to ensure that they are sustainably offering up commercial timber for our existing businesses and can provide raw material long-term. My work with them includes reviewing individual projects as well as being involved with some of the different collaboratives on the different forests and involved with forest plan revision. The Rio Grande and the Grand Mesa and Compadre in Gunnison National Forest is both going through forest plan revision. And then lastly, I'm the Rocky Mountain State's Director for Healthy Forests, Healthy Communities. 
HFHC is a grassroots coalition that supports the need for active, sustainable forest management to improve and sustain healthy forests, restore jobs in economic communities and rural communities, and provide timber-based revenues to support essential public services. HFHC is more of a grassroots and some of the work I do for them is writing editorials or doing public outreach to get the public to understand the need for active forest management. We also do action alerts, which we use a platform that allows people to submit comments on individual projects or forest plan revisions for the Forest Service and other federal land management agencies. So. Yeah, it's a little confusing because I work for three different organizations, but it really is all interconnected just from a local, state, and regional level. Yeah, I can see that. And having those types of contracts makes it really nice because you're able to kind of, I'm sure your your days don't look the same. Um, I definitely have different contracts too, and it's at a level where I started doing social media management and then um, I am able to write for other people. And I didn't know how connected we were uh, to each other until I started running, you know, four or five different contracts. And then, you know, it is a balancing act. So with everything that you do, um, how do you do the, the balance on, on these? Well, I think it's exciting on one hand because I don't do the same thing every day. Yeah. Like today, I had I started my day with a conference call um, on a statewide alliance that I'm working on, and then I have this, and then later on, I got to work on a questionnaire for some research that one of the groups is doing. The nice thing is, is I set my schedule most of the time. I do travel some. It kind of goes in spurts, but for the most part, if I know my kids have an event or my husband has to be out of town for work, I can work around it. So that part is nice. And I like that I don't do the same thing every day. I get to do, whether it's reviewing a different project on a different forest or putting together a safety email, I get to do a lot of different things and be involved. And I think that makes me feel good about the work I do. Yeah, it's definitely rewarding and when you work for people and your help, I think what you're doing is a lot of facilitating and coordinating behind the scenes that people don't see. And it is a lot of work and your, your days can be long. That's what's really hard when you're a contractor. So I, what you're saying is really resonating with me. So I'm sure that people out there that are looking into this kind of work, or maybe they want to go from a public job to a more private job, um, that this is kind of giving them ideas and and things that are real that we experience. Yeah, and it's been a great option for us as a family. My husband has more of a nine-to-five job, and he works actually for the Forest Service, whereas I work from home, can kind of provide that foundation for the kids when they come home from school and the dogs, but I'm also doing forestry work that I really enjoy. Yeah, absolutely. And so uh, why did you choose to study forestry? So that's a great question. And I go back to something that happened in high school that really resonated with me. At the time, I really thought I wanted to study wildlife biology. And that was primarily because my best friend, who grew up across the street from me, 
her dad drove a log truck. And I was in high school in the early 90s, and at that same time, the Mexican spotted owl issue in Arizona and New Mexico had really blown up. And so all I knew is that all of a sudden her dad lost his job because forest management across Arizona and New Mexico, for the most part, got shut down. So he no longer had a job. And at the time, I was like, how can one bird do that? As an adult now and having studied forestry, I recognize that it's a much more complicated issue. But when I went to NAU for previews, I ended up in the forestry building. And after talking to some of the professors, I realized while I love animals and wildlife biology was interesting, I was really more passionate about the, the plant and tree aspect. So I stuck with forestry and got my degree. Yeah, absolutely. And I grew up in a house where uh, my stepdad was a log truck driver. And, uh, you know, that kind of image of losing your job or the industry, you know, not being able to continue the same way that it did. I have learned a lot from going to school as well and being interested in forestry. And it's been nice to learn and be more open minded about, you know, why that happened and the resources, you know, that we have today, I think kind of if you go on and, you know, if you want to educate yourself and learn more, um, there, there's more to the story, really. And that's, I think that's what we learned in forestry school and from the people, too. Absolutely. Our environment is incredibly complex. And if I could teach nothing else to the public, it's really make sure you do your research before you take such a strong stance on a particular topic because most of the time I don't know that we we do that. And I'm guilty of it as well, maybe not with forestry issues but something else, but it's really complex and there's usually not one right answer and one wrong answer. There's a kind of a compromise across the board that would meet the needs of a lot of people. Yeah, absolutely. And the collaborations and I think the communities that are coming together are are totally helping. And um, when you get involved in your 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 watershed or your local association, it really helps to continue that education and, and to continue learning so that you know why something's happening like the spotted owl. Exactly. So it's I think it's gone along a long ways. And um I do call myself the post-owl generation. I've, you know, been dealing with the fallout of what's gone on and how it's changed. And I think we're still changing and growing um, the industry itself. And so it's just been really nice to see all these resources come and all these programs come out of it. And um, like Healthy Forests and Healthy Communities, I know they've grown. They've done such good work and you're bringing in so many people from the public and that's exactly what we need. Yeah, HFHC has been great in using Facebook and other social media to get the message out and not be, what's the word, aggressive in it, but just presenting information. And I think 
it's been interesting because as people are given information, you can see the way they think change. And I think the best thing we can do is provide that education, provide examples of what worked, what hasn't worked, and the consequences of not doing work. And I think generally the public is on board when faced with the alternative of catastrophic wildfire or forest management. And to me, it's not an all or nothing. There's going to be definitely places that we shouldn't do active forest management because we don't want the impacts of roads or we like it just to be natural. Um, Wilderness areas is a good example. But I also think as we add wilderness acres or we add additional layers of management restraint, we need to be fully aware of the consequences of not being able to do management and how that impacts the public who may live nearby or may live further downstream or even across the state when they're impacted by long-term smoke during summer wildfires. Yeah, and that's really, I think the changing the dialogue has been really good and showing people the difference has made a big impact. And I think the vehicle of social media has really helped. So what is your favorite social media platform and why? Well, my kids would tell you I'm old and I'm not very technologically or up to speed. I primarily just use Facebook. I have an Instagram account and I use it occasionally, but by default, I would say Facebook is my favorite. I like that you can you know, put a link to an article or add pictures, that kind of stuff. And honestly, I think Twitter is probably the worst, because at least for natural resources, because you can't, most of the issues we're talking about cannot be described in you know, 140 characters or whatever the limitation is. And I think too often, simplifying messages sometimes like that just makes the situation worse. Yeah, it's short form for sure. And that's, um, in my consulting, that's been really hard to explain and teach some people. And I work for associations on contract as well. And whenever I tell them, oh, you can only do this many words and it's okay to not be grammatically correct, they're like, oh my goodness, that's Twitter. I said, well, yes, that." I mean, some people, if they want to get their point across in that small, short frame, they definitely just use the shortest form they can get. And it's not, like you're saying, it is not the best platform, I think, for for our industry. We just have to find a way to use it effectively. Yes. So that's been hard to, to consult people and tell them, ah, well, <laughs> this is how it operates. So, you know, if and if they choose not to use Twitter, I'm, I'm not at all... Um, ashamed of that. That's okay. Instagram has been able to visually tell our story. And so I'm always intrigued when I see um, healthy forests, healthy communities come out with like their half photos of before and after, or, you know, here's a photo from 1950 until now, those kinds of things, I think really show our conversation. And and I think you're able to write enough to get a, a a point across to the to anyone really not not just the public absolutely and i spend a little time with instagram i honestly just haven't had the time and facebook's easy for me but i'll put it on my list of things i should do and get better at it i 
like I said, have two teenage boys that would be more than glad to show me how to do it. Yeah, absolutely. And so um, you've done a lot of amazing work and you've been involved in communities for a really long time. What do you think your biggest accomplishment has been so far? That's a great question. While I am super passionate about forestry, at the end of the day, I have to say my biggest accomplishment to date is my role as a mom. I have two teenage boys and raising them to be strong, contributing members of society is my biggest goal. Colby is 16, um, a junior in high school, and is hoping to fly after graduation, whether it's in the Air Force or private industry, we're still kind of figuring out. Caden is almost 15. He'll get his permit in 12 days and is a, a freshman in high school. And honestly, being a mom is by far the hardest job I've ever done. And that includes being on a Hello Repel crew in college and fighting wildfires. But it's also the most rewarding. I love being a mom and just being here for them on a day-to-day basis, but also seeing them grow and change as they mature. Absolutely, and it's just something that, even though you're passionate, like you said, about forestry, you just can't replicate having children and the experience that it brings and bringing life into the world, you know, they are going to make a difference and they're going to go out after co- after college and high school and, you know, make their own impact in the world. And, and that's something that you were, you know, you created. So I think that's really awesome that you think that, you know, and it's a big accomplishment because you've it's taken you a long time to raise them and um, make them, you know, the kind of people that they're going to be out in the world today. Absolutely. And when I started dating my husband in college, he's also a, a forester by trade. My mom said something really profound. She said, you know, if you this relationship continues and you end up with him long term, at some point you're going to have to decide if you're a wife and mother first and a forester second or vice versa. Because at the end of the day, while my career is super important, I enjoy the work I do, I enjoy helping people, my biggest role is to be a wife and mother. And I think I've done a really good job of doing both. I like the fact that I work from home, so I am here for my kids and available. But I also enjoy that I get to work and grow my career and that it's worked fairly well to have both. Yeah, absolutely. And so you're an inspiration to many and I'm excited for people to listen to this and um, know that you can balance the two and have your career and your children and, you know, balance the house and make it work. I'm I'm, I'm one of those people who I haven't started having kids yet because I wanted to kind of learn and um, grow with my husband. We've only been married for uh, almost two years. And so I still have that, you know, that phase of figuring the communication and all these things out. And so um, just being able to support each other makes it you're able to support your children. And so um, that's something that other people are probably wanting to achieve as well, um, because it doesn't always come easy. So 
it in being a consultant you yeah you can stay home and you know work on everything that comes up and it's really nice that you have a little bit of both in your, in your world with you know your husband having a nine to five and you being able to, to be home so uh, I'm really inspired by what you have been doing and how well uh, you've been working with everyone and having two teenagers that's just crazy to some people well in some days it is definitely chaos and occasionally my husband and I are both scheduled to be out of town on the same day so we do have good friends and family who we rely on when that occurs but for the most part we make it work and I can say my husband's been truly supportive and has helped my career grow and I'm thankful for that absolutely so then, do you consider yourself introverted or extroverted, and how does that fit in with your, your forestry and your family? So if I only could choose one, I would have to say I'm more introverted. I work from home, so I'm pretty used to a quiet setting. And while I enjoy being around people, I get pretty overstimulated in large groups. That being said, my job requires me to be part of collaboratives and go to meetings and hold legislative receptions. So I think I do a pretty good job of being there when I'm in, you know, being there in the moment when I'm there. But I'm definitely always glad to kind of come back to my quiet setting. And I find it's becoming more and more that way as I get older. Or maybe it's just because I'm, when the boys are home and my husband's home, our house is loud. So I definitely enjoy my quiet time. Yeah, definitely. I'm the same way, and it's just nice to um, sit on a laptop and kind of just do your own thing, and I've been trying to find uh, ways to figure out for myself what makes me happy just in my own moments, and so um, I've started doing like adult coloring books when I really just want to zone out and, you know, kind of do your own thing for just a little bit anyways. So that's really good to hear that you're able to kind of uh, recharge your batteries when you need to. Yeah, and ironically, I enjoy coloring as well. Um, and my boys gave me a coloring book a couple years for Christmas, so I break that out. I also enjoy working out. And some days going to CrossFit at the gym is the only social interaction I get outside of my family. So that's a really nice outlet as well. Yeah, that's nice to go to the gym and work out. And um, I've been going with my husband. And so that's been interesting to see teamwork outside of the house um, because that dynamic can change when you change your environment. Oh, absolutely. My oldest son goes to CrossFit with me. My youngest and my husband have no desire. So <laughs> so you have your own thing and, and you go out into the world and do it and then come back home and enjoy your family. So um, so who are your, your role models right now? Who are people that have inspired you to do what you're doing and people that you look up to? Wow, that's a tough question. Right now, I'd have to say I have two. The first is my dad and the other is Vicki Christensen, the chief of the U.S. Forest Service. I lost my dad to esophageal cancer last August and we were really close. My mom passed away over 12 years ago from lung cancer. So since that time, my dad and I have become really close. 
And if I think about it, I was definitely more like my dad than my mom. So losing him has been very hard. My dad, although extremely cranky at times and not always the best at putting his immediate family before work, was a good man. He worked harder than any person I know and always provided for our family. And while we didn't always agree, I could talk with him about pretty much anything. And we, we could have spirited debates, whether it was politics or forest management or raising kids. And like I said, we didn't always agree, but he always respected my opinion, occasionally told me I was wrong, but he was definitely a role model. He taught all of us, my brothers and I, to work hard, to live within your means, and, and just to be good people. My dad was extremely giving of his time and resources to other people if they were needed. It would help pretty much anybody out. So even though he's passed, he's, he's definitely still one of my role models. And then the other I mentioned is Vicki Christensen. I met Vicki a while ago when I was living in Arizona and was serving on the Arizona Governor's Forest Health Advisory Council. And myself and my co-chair had been given the task to be on the hiring committee for the new state forester. And Vicki was one of our candidates. And Vicki came in and interviewed, and we knew right away that we wanted her for the job. Vicki has had an outstanding career, and I was impressed with her then, and I'm even more impressed now. I think the fact that she started as a you know, true ground pounder with Washington DNR and worked her way up and is now leading the entire U.S. Forest Service as chief is amazing. And I like Vicki because she's personable, but she's a strong leader. Yeah, your role models are so amazing and bring such foundation and such joy to your life. And I've absolutely um, utilized the guidance of people in my family who have passed. And I also kind of feel like they've been guiding me through the this business journey that I've, I've created. Um, there's definitely times where it's not easy. And so when you think of their work ethic and you think of how they impacted your life and then you just, sometimes things just come to me and I'm like, oh my gosh, wow, I didn't, I didn't even think of that. That's going to help me. And, and I just, sometimes I get information. I'm like, I don't know how or why I just, you know, it's like downloading something and it's from the people I think that um, believe in in what we're doing, and I, I really do believe that you know they support us even though they've passed. Um, and then Vicki Christensen has been an absolute mentor for many people in the industry, and her progress and you know what she's become. I think just gives everyone hope for that. You know, people look up to that, and people can do the same thing that she's done. Um, and she's just been a, a great trailblazer. I agree. It's Like I said, I met her quite a few years ago and then recently ran into her actually at the premiere of the Chuck LaBelle Colorado edition here in Denver, and this was prior to her becoming chief. And 
we were able to sit and visit and it was just great to see her and I'm I'm so inspired by what she's done and I think she's been amazing at finding that balance between home and work and and just getting it all done yeah absolutely it's with her just being in that position now that she's you know done all the work you can just see that everyone is looking up to her and things are changing for the better um, because she gives everyone kind of that, oh my gosh, I can do this too. And um, that's absolutely something that will help and change our future for the better in forestry. And so um, I'm also seeing kind of a, a shift in Society of American Foresters leadership too, it's been really nice to have Terry Baker come on and then um, next year's president, Tamara Cushing, I'm really excited for. And this kind of shows that we are changing and diversifying our programs and um, the leadership is more diverse than ever. And I'm absolutely just excited for it. Absolutely. And I really like Terry Baker. He was working on one of the national forests here in Colorado before he left and took the job with SAS. And I've been involved with SAS since I was in college, and I think it's a great organization. I've served in many leadership roles in terms of a chapter chair or a section treasurer, and I enjoy it. I think it's a great organization that does a lot for its members and is continuing to be very outspoken and advocate on important issues. And I just, I wish more um, younger people or even people in their mid-careers would stay involved because I think it's important. They provide great continuing education, but also networking and just learning opportunities to keep our careers fresh. Yeah, absolutely. And also the mentors that come out of uh, Society of American Foresters. Tom Davidson from Virginia is one of my biggest mentors, and it's because he wrote in the forestry source, he has several articles, and just his passion for helping people, it just shines through. And then with his Leadership Nature podcast, of course, it inspired me to create this podcast. But yeah, I'm really excited, and um, I haven't been to a national convention yet, but I'm going to apply for the... um, speaker positions at the Kentucky National Convention this year. So I'm really excited to go on that adventure and and see how um, I can help and continue to uh, bridge that young gap that you're talking about. Um, I'm absolutely connected to college students as we speak. I mentor them and um, I keep them connected with SAF as best I can. You will enjoy the National Convention. I've been to several, um, starting in college and then since then, I've been to several, and they're always just amazing. For one, you get to really sense how many people are in natural resources and just the depth of knowledge within that community. But it's just fun. I, there's always a variety of speakers on a, you know great topics. But I also enjoy like the Forester Fund Raffle, which helps sponsor scholarships and projects, and to see all the college kids that come and then. I think they have like the knowledge bowl. Yeah. So it's just a great environment and it always I always come back inspired that I'm still in this industry and that 
most of us are in it because we are passionate about the resource and we enjoy working with others to help solve these complex issues. Yeah, and speaking of passion, uh, I am working with America's Forest with Chuck Lavelle uh, by President uh, Bruce Ward, and he wanted us to connect, and so I think this podcast was a great idea. And um, you have experienced some of the America's Forest with Chuck Lavelle, and so I wanted to hear what um, your take is on, on on that program. And I just think that Chuck Lavelle is very real, Uh, And he's very passionate as a tree farmer in Georgia. America's Forest with Chuck Lavelle is a proud sponsor of the Talking Forest podcast. They are a broadcast television documentary series for PBS, and they have a multifaceted social media outreach campaign that Talking Forests is helping them do. America's Forest with Chuck Lavelle captures the breath of our nation's woodlands, both public and private. We feature different stories that demonstrate how important forest habitats are to the well-being and economic health of communities across the country. In this series, we present individuals who embody this passion for the woods, from architect to artists, from climbers to carpenters to foresters and tree farmers. Host Chuck Lavelle is one of a kind. Often on tour with the Rolling Stones, he's both acclaimed as a rock and roll player and a conservationist tree farmer. He owns the, with his wife, Rose Lane White Lavelle, the Charlene Plantation in Georgia, in what has become a textbook tree farm. Absolutely. So I've met Bruce Ward, gosh, Ben Ty, four or five years ago. Bruce is based here in Colorado and is amazing. He's so passionate, knows, I think, everybody, but really gets stuff done, whether it's the Capital Christmas Tree Program or America's Forest with Chuck LaBelle. So Bruce had done the Oregon episode and was looking for a next episode. And living here in Colorado, he knows how hard we've worked, both on the industry side, but also the social side, and also our watershed component, and wanted to put together another episode. So working with the Forest Service and and me and others in the industry, we were able to pull an episode together. And I think it turned out great. It's amazing, having gone through the process, on how much they film and then how little of it actually ends up on the episode, but we were able to cover some really great topics. And I personally enjoyed the part that I played in educating the public about the spruce beetle epidemic and how much it has changed the landscape in southern Colorado, but also why managing a large landscape level epidemic is important both for ecological reasons but also for our communities and the businesses that rely on it. Having met Chuck at the premiere was amazing, but I have to say his wife is wonderful. I can only imagine all the things that she has seen and done in her lifetime, but she was the most down-to-earth person I've ever met, and her style was fun. Mm -hmm. So overall, it was a great process, and I didn't absolutely love seeing myself on camera after it came out, um, but I think that's just human nature. But I enjoyed the message, and we use it a lot in the work that I do with collaboratives or public education or 
the HFHC platform on Facebook, so it's been truly beneficial. And that's just an amazing experience to meet uh, Rockstar and formulate that into the forestry community. I've really enjoyed working with Bruce on promoting this PBS series, America's Forest with Chuck Lavelle. So I was really excited to hear um, I'd be able to call you and talk to you about it. So thank you for your uh, experience and your your input. And I really do think that um, Chuck and his wife are very real. And it's just so nice that he's making himself accessible to so many people through this series. Yes, absolutely. I really enjoyed meeting them. I thought they were fun, but just down to earth. I didn't feel like I was sitting there with a rock star. I, I felt like I was sitting there talking to another tree farmer. And the fact that he's willing to use his life experience and notoriety to bring recognition to this important topic is just wonderful. Yeah, it's been great to be behind the scenes and see some of the footage that comes in and it just resonates with everyone in forestry. So I'm really excited for the premiere of the third episode, which comes out here soon in the spring. And that will be with the Sustainable Forest Land Retention Program in South Carolina. So um, stay tuned. Yeah, I'm excited to see it. Um, In talking with Bruce, I know that they had a great time filming it. And just some of the stuff I've seen so far looks amazing. Yes, I couldn't agree more. So uh, last question, what is your most valuable tip to our listeners and do you have anything you you would like to add? Sure. At the end of the day, I think it's important to work hard, love even harder, and make the most of each and every day. Having lost both my parents at such a young age as well as my oldest brother, I value family and I try not to take any day for granted. That being said, you got to make sure you enjoy your job and work hard at it but also take time to play. And I think so many times we get wrapped up about the smallest of issues when they really don't matter. And so I think just focus on what's important, take time for yourself, and be kind. That's absolutely great advice. And just stay humble and kind wherever you go. I completely agree. And I'm just so happy I got to have you on the podcast today and I hope you have a great rest of your day Molly well I have thoroughly enjoyed it and I appreciate the opportunity and it was great thank you thank you